podcast by artists for artists we talk cash shit about everything sometimes we get messy and it all counts as art because we say so i'm mel i'm black y'all and a woman ain't i also i make art things sometimes when people leave me alone long enough this week i'm a secret data analyst of twitter users a racial sensitivity expert for dating television programs and a bass guitarist for the up-and-coming nouveau punk band brown paper bag Yo, what's up? I'm Maximiliano, aka Maxi Max. I'm a scientist, a WWE wrestler, a TV repair person, and I shall soon soon be running for local office. So all of you at home right now, sitting there wondering how to subscribe, um, how to support, how to support Not Turner Project, you can subscribe to be a Patreon of NTP. Because there are tons of great perks uh, supporting us, duh. Also exclusive Patreon-only podcast episodes. And our now legendary Patreon-exclusive long-running zine publication, Book of Sedition. Sedition. NTP, we got an Etsy with all of our publications. And our newest one, the Black Abbey zine, based on the Black Abbey residency that Nat Turner Project did with a Black Art Ecology of Portland. Um, we got totes, we got buttons, and now our buttons are um, exclusive collector's items, and um, there will be a video coming out soon that explains all that, but hold on to those buttons, they will only increase in value. Um, we have advice, oh, I already said that in the next line, all, <laughs> now all the buttons are limited numbers, bronze editions, and future currency. Subscribe to us on iTunes and all streaming platforms. Follow us at Nat Turner Project on all the social medias. Got a question or comment? Want to confess your love of Melanie or me? Email us at natturnerproject0 at gmail.com. Because without the zero, it goes to some white lady on the East Coast. Word. All right. Thanks, Max. So today, we are very, very excited to be sitting with Asante Sankofa Fori about a particularly timely subject matter. 
dating while black, interracial dating, and specifically anti-blackness and how that plays out within the context of dating. Hi, Asante. Hi. <laughs> What's good? Uh, <laughs> um, so I am going to read Asante's bio right quick, and then we will get into it. So Asante Sankofa, AKA Lil Nilo, or Lil Nihilo, is a black experience poet and fugitive intellectual moving, moved in the wake. Their works is focused on potentiating nigger, nigger, nigger normative or black-minded episteme, I don't know what that is, epistemes? Epistemes? It's like, yeah, epistemes. Epistemes. It's, it's linked to epistemology, like nuggets of epistemology, one might say. Effect, affects and praxis. Day is currently making home in occupied Chinook lands in Portland, Oregon. And you can find some of their best artistic achievement in the hearts, minds, and porches of people they claim and the ones they allow to claim them. That's me. All right, so we are gonna start off by asking the thing that we ask everyone who has come on the show since, say, let's say early 2020. Um, how are you doing? And how are you dealing with all of this? I'm doing well. I'm black and blessed. And I'm dealing with all of this um, with copious amounts of cannabis and love and snuggles from my partner. And um, <clears throat> also recently, well, not recently, all my life, but um, like Negro hymns and like um, Negro work songs and like prison work songs and stuff like that. That's uh, that's always been the backbone of like my acoustic like landscape that I curate for myself and I just always feel like tucked away and hidden there like no one can find me because ain't nobody gonna find me like you know chill with the slaves and them and whatnot so um those have just really been sustaining me and keeping me like nigga sane during this whole panoramic this panacea so when you say like Negro hymns, Negro work songs, like, um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what, what that is for you? Um, <clears throat> I think the very first one, and like, you know, I have two black parents, but like of my parents, I think that like my mama kind of raised me like with a quasi white centric modality or cathexis ultimately. Um, recently we talked and she has like decided to leave like black gospel all behind and she likes a lot of like white contemporary Christian music because it's not like laden and so sad as she says so like that um but I can't I think it was um Mississippi Fred McDowell um singing um Sweet By and By mm. yeah on on his guitar and I was like wow this is this is wild this is deep this is cool and also like it's it's what our ancestors listen to our recent ancestors and then from there um there's a you know I just created radios and I found more and more songs and then the show notes for the show there's this song I found recently um <laughs> that's called Black Woman and it's you know it's a chain gang song or like you know a row song sung by multiple niggas and um it's 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 named black woman, but like the the opening line is like I don't want no jet black woman. 
Because they told me, Lord, they told me. I was like, oh, I discovered the Ashy Nigga anthem. <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is a part, this is, this is like a nugget. This is like, this is a piece in the genetic code, the epigenetic code of niggas just like floating around. Like, it's, it's there. Like, I found it. Um, so it's things like that. And like, often like in lots of hip hop and stuff like that, some of the best like, you know, beats and licks have come from people that like really get far, far back into this, the discography. And like, that's a totally different type of archival work that I love and, and cherish. And just finding those like samples, those like old, old samples and like finding how far back like modern hip hop samples go in like their audio repertoire is just like, that's the wake. Like audio reverberations echoing throughout time, making you feel the same exact shit. Like that's, it doesn't get any better. <clears throat> and then, um, <clears throat> to like one of the things you said, you're when you're talking about like listening to hymns, and then um, nobody can find you, or nobody would think you're like out like hiding with like slaves and stuff. Um, does that mean like you're thinking about like music as this like um, transport, this like vehicle for like travel through like time, or like um, what? Yeah, I guess I was curious to hear oh, more about absolutely there's this um one song recently <clears throat> i you know that stumbled upon me called turkle dove recorded by bessie jones and um it's one of those like white archival recordings where like in the you know actual itunes like file like there's like a little bit of an interview beforehand and a little bit of a interview after like the actual performance and it's Bessie Smith talking about, oh, yeah, that's an old slave time song, you know, sung that way back when they were jumping over the room and, like, telling the story behind the song, then sings it. And, like, in those, like, in, like, this specific song, Turkle Dove, like, like, does stuff musically that I, I haven't heard before and, like, really felt like new stuff and, like, something like a new pop album would, like, songs that a new pop album would be playing with and, um, that that resonance that connection with like the present in the sort of way that it's like it's always been there it's always been potentiated by like the work and like songs of like black folk and that's like and like why black hymns for me like in that broad category that i just made like also blues falls into that because like there are so many blues songs that use like the same licks but say totally different things over time and like it's it's all retained it's like yeah so i i definitely think that music and temporal music because music is like painted time like it can blur sensorial experience of temporality and then like i end up feeling like i'm just you know in the attic on a massive slave plantation ain't nobody gonna find me there because like they think i've done gone up north I think I done killed myself or gone, <laughs> done gone run, run down to the river, but like, I'm, I'm still here. I'm just up in the attic. I'm cramped. It's a tight space. Not a lot I can do up here, but I'm here. I'm alive. I'm, I'm free because I'm here because I chose to be. And yeah, that's definitely a space where like lots of folks don't go to find you. That's super cool. I feel like I could ask you so many more questions about like <laughs> music and time and stuff like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe, maybe just one more. Okay. <laughs> um, 
yeah. So like, so in if, if you're talking about that and thinking about um, yeah, this idea of like music as like painted time. Um, I guess I'm curious then uh, if like we're traveling through time or if like you're traveling through time all the time by like listening to music and then like moving through time back and forth. Um, I guess like what would that mean? Like I guess when I see when I hear painted time, I hear still see, like something that happened and is finished. Mm-hmm. But then if you're still moving through it, then like um, I guess like what does that mean as like a painting? If we're thinking about time's always changing, and if like mm-hmm. when we go back to time, it changes, and if like time's not even fixed or finite, um, then does that mean it's like uh, you're you're painting time by traveling back and forward? I don't know. I'm just but that's. I'll I'll be real iconoclastic and, you know, have the cut that, like, yeah, if the painting was made by, like, a white hand, it is assumed to be finished. But, like, this is a nigga's painting. And, like, these songs I'm listening to, these are, like, songs from, like, people that are and would be considered, like, niggas. And, like, there's always, like, a blurring there to pull in Fred Moten. Like, they're, like... because it's so well-traveled. Like all these songs, like the, and all these like ideas that these songs carry, they carry within them this natural idea of non-originality. Like there, there doesn't seem to be a claim from like lots of these folks to say that I thought of this, you know, this rhyme for this song. It's just like, it, it was always there. It, 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 it preexisted. So like, you know, and does that make it like a temporally fixed location that one visits possibly maybe but i think something happens in like you know the creating of dirt you know that's brown and stuff like that because all these shades of paint and all these different illustrations were put up on you know on a specific canvas and have been trodden and gone over so many different times with so many different paintings it's just the the ground the oil the paints the canvas are just all, all brown they just look like the earth they look like a generative, you know, rich, rich PD space that can like create more things. And that, and like, so yeah, I, I do think that like one blurs the painting by going back, but like also like, because they are recordings there, there's like, you know, thankfully um, they aren't like, you know, memory in the human brain where like every time that you visit a memory you in some way change it like you have like fingerprints and you know you leave fingerprints on this like hermetically sealed room in your brain and like it changes over time this these musics luckily the ones that they could capture before like these folks that carry these songs past um happen to capture like certain audio registers that like the the people you know singing and like recording and being the drum they themselves were mimicking something that they knew from long ago and stuff like that and would not consider themselves as the originator of what they're recording there they're just like oh, yeah, i i got this thing i know this song like you know if you know we right now we're just suddenly dropped in you know a world <laughs> you know an alien world and you know these people were just amazed when we hummed Mary had a little lamb, and they just like created lots of recordings of just us singing Mary had a little lamb. It's it's similar to that. Yeah. All right. So after that very beautiful discussion about time, <laughs> music, and temporality. Uh, I think it's time to plunge into what we all came here for, 
Uh, buckle up, folks. Uh, this is going to get messy. Yeah. So um, we're here to talk about dating while black, interracial dating, all that that entails. And I guess we can start with the thing that has currently facilitated that very awkward national conversation or international conversation, the uh, interview with Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry, or formerly Prince Harry, with Oprah. Um, people had a lot of thoughts and people felt the need to share them <laughs> about this. Um, and I, you know, I just kind of, I wanted to start there and kind of work our way deeper into this conversation. So let's just start on this very superficial kind of like pop culture level and just move in. So yeah, Max, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So my first question is, so is he just Mr. Harry Windsor now? I don't know. Is it, is that how you, uh, um, address him or? Oh, I know. Oh, is that <laughs> in the county of Sussex, they exist now without their lord, protector, and what will happen to that county? Going off of a very important tweet, I think it's very important that we pay attention to the lord system because these lords are supposed to provide and protect their fiefdoms. And this lord is now in America. Mm. This fiefdom is at risk from Hampshire and like another neighboring county. So like, that's the very first thing, like, I think he is Harry Windsor. And isn't he German? Yeah, I think they, um, the Windsors came, have like a German, Germanic heritage and then they changed their name like during, before World War II, around World War II or World War I. To, like, so was remove... it Vinza? <clears throat> no, it was like some like long um, hyphenated to German name that um they're like like pre-world war one or pre-world war two they had their like german ass name and then they're like oh we're fighting the germans let's go and um re uh redefine our story redefine our narrative <laughs> a little bit <laughs> great pr they had some great pr i think uh, prince philip is like greek i think all the royal that's right are super super um interlinked mm. wow all right <laughs> but yes, uh, with that said, um, we, we come to Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle, uh, a young uh, divorcee um, American actress who catches the eye of Harry Windsor. And they, um, you know, uh, decide that their love will conquer all. Um, and are met with the cold, harsh um, reality um, of, you know, history, I guess. <laughs> history, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so throughout the interview, Megan talks about, you know, the, uh, the way she was painted by the press, um, the way she was treated by the royal family, um, the effects that it had on her emotionally, psychologically. And then later on, Harry um, enters the conversation 
and sort of, you know, backs up everything that she's saying, um, as well as like corroborating uh, his family's behavior, although he refuses to name them. Right. Um, I do think it's interesting to note that both of them still, even within the context of that, shied away from explicitly naming race. I don't think that Meghan Markle mm. referred to herself explicitly as Black. I don't know how she identifies personally. I don't know if that's relevant in this conversation. But Ooh. I don't know. So Why might it not be relevant to this conversation? Um, because race is a factor, um, and she is perceived as black within this context. That part. <laughs> whether or not she identifies. So, I mean, do you think that how she identifies is relevant with this? Sadly, no. Yeah. And that's like, it's really weird to see like celebrity meet and like, well, I mean, it's gotten less weird, but it's interesting to see celebrity meet like it's, it's ancient analog royalty. Um, but like the British media like has been that like real feisty, like middle class, like proletariat to like make all their like make as much money off of like turn the royal family into like a sort of resource yeah. and stuff like that that they can mine and stuff like that and um eventually procure certain like legal structural like financial power like and purchase in that um so yeah i i think yeah whether megan would identify as black or, or not i guess it doesn't matter if like the wide majority of that machine like interpolates her as black, but like willy nilly, like and and like it once again gets to like the the fickle nature of racialization and like specifically racialization based off of like physio physiognomic like and physiological markers mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like skin pigmentation, like whether you got the bell pop pepper or not, you know, and your hair curlage always the hair. Um, Always the hair. It's it's very important. Um, yeah. So like in it like it matters insofar as like those inbred like pan European bastards were worried about how dark their child was gonna be. They, and, like, they, okay, can we stop and pause it <laughs> at first? They looked at Meghan Markle and Harry Windsor and worried about the complexion of their child. That is how stupid racism is. <laughs> like, really? I remember like a long time ago reading, like at some point Scotland actually had like a sub-Saharan African king once. Oh. Um, <laughs> like that was one of my very first thoughts. Uh, oh yeah, in time back, yeah, that was one of my very first thoughts. Like, oh, they know that like, maybe if like the myth of like racial purity of like royal families was true then like in their fucking like on the fucking continent or like little shit island of britannia like they had you know possibly a sub-saharan 
you know, royal. So that could be in the bloodline. And maybe, you know, another nigga could just like make it pop off. And then, you know, we have Jay-Z all of a sudden. <laughs> um, the recessive gene. <laughs> but also like that, that makes me think about like why they didn't fucking point or like name or like speculate about who said the racist shit because the royal family is by design so small like so tiny like <laughs> they, they trim and you know reroot that tree at will so yeah there's like and the the implication itself like dooms them because it's like five six people that it could be and we all know and i'm just i'm really waiting for like fans of the great british bake-off to get a compilation of all the times the judges have like critiqued how dark a pastry has turned out and said Wait, the royal fan <laughs> I'm t- there have been like a couple times on the Great British Bake Off where like a judge is like, oh, it came out. He's let it stand a bit long. It's a, it's, it's a bit dark, isn't it? Um, <laughs> like, I just want like a super cut of those. Like this, like, and I feel like that, that ultimately were, were like the statements because the British, like as a people and like as, you know, representing uptight island cultures all across the world, like, you know, they're, they're emotionally repressed and like often like to come at things by slant. And I'm pretty sure it was like a lot of like a death by a thousand cuts of little questions like, mm, well, you know, so when it's bright outside and we all want to go inside, <laughs> your, your baby won't stay outside with you, will it? It will also go inside so that it won't burn. It's it's very important that British children burn in the sunlight. That's a very good way of controlling them. Um, you can banish them to the outdoors if you want to kill them, if they get, you know, uppity. But, you know, ultimately, I just want to know, is your child going to be laughing at me, you know, in, in God's daylight while I'm indoors, you know, feeding off the blood of innocence? I don't know. Prince Philip or whichever that mummy motherfucker, like, I think it's really fucked up that they like keep on putting the mummy of Prince Ramses in a bathtub every day and pulling him out and saying that he's the king of England. That, that's, or like, <laughs> Greeks don't even age like that. My God, my God, Greeks why, don't age like that. Why do they keep showing us pictures of him? I like, can we just stop? Just, it was his birthday again, recently. just tell us he's okay and we'll take your word for it. Okay? Going back to moments of like Megan talking about like when like, she was like suicidal and having mental health issues like going to the british royal family's firm for help about that and like it's okay to not like look up the social media of like someone that you're looking like like into dating but like i feel like it exists like as a as a meme as a joke that the british are repressed generally and like why wouldn't the royal family be like that times 10 and ergo like Should have gotten out and asked for help from like any nigga, like in any dark suburbs of London or whatever, because like they, those white people are not going to help you. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what she said her biggest regret was like thinking that they would protect her, which I have empathy for the things that she went through, but there is a part of me that's like, how did you not know that this was a possibility? See, that's I my hate to say that, but like that's my question. That's my that's one of my. I have two like main things I'm wondering about with the Meghan Markle. But my yeah, my first question is, um, yeah, how did Meghan Markle not know what she was getting into? And then um, 
right? I, I'm I'm questioning, I'm wondering this sympathy for Meghan Markle. I feel like some people feel bad. They're like, oh, that's fucked up. That's, you should never have the experience of that. And then some people are like, how did you not expect this or worse? And then, um, but is that, I know, Melanie, you like to call us out. So I don't know if that's like victim blaming to be like, Meghan Markle, there's no sympathy for you. Um, it's, I mean, all of how, how did you, how did you not, is there not a picture on the internet of Harry dressed as a Nazi? Nazi as a costume, yes. I remember, yeah, I wasn't even, her. I didn't even care about the royal family at the time I learned that. I was just like in a fucking grocery store buying mm-hmm. bubble gum and I turn and I see like something and like there it is, Prince Harry with a swastika. and I was like, oh, that's a gang fam, cool. <laughs> And then it wasn't even just like him alone as a swastika. It was like some racist party. Like there's like people in the background, like other rich, I'm sure like white people where they're like in blackface, they're dressed up as these other like horrible, like stereotypes of other like people. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Meghan Markle, just from what I know about her, is, you know, a black actress or a biracial black actress who works in Hollywood. So I know she's gotten shit for her race at some point in her career. She's not like foreign to this. She has a black mother. Like what kind of like suspended belief does one require to enter into a union with the British royal family and not consider or have a contingency? I just, and again, it sounds like I don't empathize. I do empathize with her, but also, you know, as someone who has dated outside of the race as someone who has dated white people in the past that's always in the back of my head like what if some shit pops off like how am i going to deal with this it has to be like personally and this is getting into the messy side of things like i like i remember looking at the eye blinks at oprah like after like she like dropped the bombshell that the royal family might have been concerned about like the baby being too dark and like I don't know, like, I feel like that was just such a, like, a pregnant moment. There's, like, just so many things in that moment. Like, on one scope, I felt like I could read, like, you see how light I am, bitch? They're worried about me giving them (laughs) a dark-skinned baby. Mm -hmm. Me giving them a dark-skinned baby. Um, And also, like, I registered in that, like, I don't know, like, this... Speaking from team dark skin here, like there are sometimes light skin, like when there are sometimes light skins have like a certain phenomenological tract in life where like shit doesn't really, really like fall out. Like the bottom really doesn't fall out from life. Like certain, certain moments like that, like where shit doesn't really, really get like major, major bad where like one can think of like, oh yeah, the roll of the die are just like cool. And stuff like that and I saw I feel like I saw kind of like that and then I was like oh this isn't gonna be as easy as I thought because I feel like I saw that I was like if I was darker like this would definitely be a problem but like I thought that like I, I like I, I I like my hair straightened y'all like I really like I I'm not and I didn't get like I'm gonna coon for y'all and like I'm just gonna be like the you know an NFT, you know, a non-fungible token, like y'all's token, but you can't sell me. Um, I, I I wasn't getting that. I was like, I was I was getting a lot of like, 
this is extreme fam like y'all see me um i think i had two things um i think i, I forgot the first oh you said how how did megan markle not see it then i thought maybe she was blinded by all uh the diamonds from africa that the royal family has <laughs> <laughs> Put diamonds down in Africa. <laughs> and then I, it also made me think that um, maybe there's like a movie that I could see, like, you know, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but um, Meghan Markle replacing uh, Sidney Portier um, huh. in the role. Um, I, I think people would watch that. <laughs> that feels absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my last, my last major, like, Meghan Markle question. Um, so here we have, right, um, I think the sphere, right, the sphere of the royal family, um, of introducing color to the royal family. But, like, so here we are, but then, like, smash cut to, like, 2041, and then we have this uh, quarter black baby Archie, Prince Archie, that becomes the new star of the Windsors, right? Big things, them. <laughs> and I think that would be also no, the I'm thing telling I see him Archie being and even more. Oh. Archie and Adonis, Archie okay. and Archie and Drake's son fitting to be terrorists. Like they're all gonna like y'all know Tom Hanks' son, that little Yes. <laughs> yeah, they all gonna be that. They all gonna like it's 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 gonna be nauseating and the think pieces will not stop. It, it's 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 gonna be glorious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god, Archie's gonna be Ali G. <laughs> With the blonde cornrows. Yes. <laughs> they might yes. be red. They might be red. <laughs> they might be red. <laughs> oh my god. That's right. <laughs> I'm not, that's RJ sounds like a Boondocks character. <laughs> it was like a uh, Blake Griffin a little bit. Yeah. kids <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> well not on air melanie so yeah we're not making fun of kids we're making fun of like who they could be <laughs> yeah yeah okay so i don't if i guess it's kind of like this double-edged sword um where the only reason okay this sounds let me reword this. If we're going off of desirability politics and the way Ooh. that operates, one of the reasons that she was even sort of noticed maybe um, by Harry um, and believed that she could have been accepted into this world is be because of the way she looks, right? Um, but it also kind of operated as this sort of blinder, uh, maybe, in which she wasn't able to fully comprehend the degree to which the British royal family just doesn't care about that. Like, that's not necessarily the marker that they use, which yeah. left her vulnerable. Yeah. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I keep her in my prayers. 
I, I gotta be honest, like when this whole thing like started, when people were talking about him dating her, and then they were talking about them getting married, everyone was excited. I was terrified for her. For Same. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I would pull here. It sounds like, now you ain't got no business being, bringing not even an room into <laughs> this bullshit. How fucking dare you? You take yeah. your little swastika armband and find you a nice little Austrian girl, keep the family German, and mind your business. How about that? Mm-hmm. Create a whole bunch of little fundraisers or whatever and just and, and be cute. Mm-hmm. But no. And can we talk about Harry for a second? How everyone is giving him cookies for, for being so loving and pulling her out of this environment and like, you know, basically doing the thing that he should be doing, whatever. But did he warn her? Did he give her any kind of like heads up that this shit was gonna happen? It sounds like from the interview that he had no idea that his family was capable of this, which is weird given his history. Like, you know that people in your family have been destroyed for being othered. How can you not like warn someone who you're bringing into the fold about this ahead of time? There's a part of me that's just like not really able to process that, like the degree to which you did not prepare her for any of this, but whatever. Maybe it's just that like royals, like royalty um, are so shitty, like to be like um, monarchs, to be like nobility, you just have to like, like have such a different like um, perspective of like people in like life that um i think harry was like um maybe he was like it didn't matter like maybe he was like um assassinations murders like this is all normal for being like part of the royal family of england um you know he maybe he was like this is like my normal life for us we like won't see it on tv but he's like oh this is normal for me to um discover plots or whatever and to like have crime family yeah and to have people like come in and get thrown out all the time and it's just like i think there's people seem very cheap to the royal family um but yeah okay but Uh, yeah but if you're going like say it's normal for you you care about someone you love them enough to you know marry them or whatever and bring them into this family don't you then contextualizing them wouldn't you automatically be worried for them like, I think I think we 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 are operating on the assumption that like maybe Harry has like an idea of like normal love or like healthy love like what if like to Harry like love is only mm. this like backstabby toxic plotty stuff and he thinks he is loving Megan but like in his own way but he's not or you know Touche. <laughs> this isn't a defensive Harry this is not <laughs> no it does not sound like a defense by at any all. means okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think yeah, I don't think he, he maybe he doesn't know how to love or has ever felt love, so maybe that's how he can do those things. <laughs> well, that's a mic drop. Okay, so let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> All right, so can white people having sex with black people be ever truly consensual? I have a lot of thoughts on this. Ooh. <clears throat> Please share. Uh, I guess the short way of putting it is it's complicated. (laughs) Um, 
I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, relationships, no relationship of any kind exists in a vacuum. You bring yourself, you bring your histories, you bring your personal past, the pasts of the like people, you know, who behind, who, you know, who you come from, I guess, with you, like all of that, as well as like desirability politics, as well as the way you've been socially conditioned, all of that is just fucking in there. Um, and if you look at the power dynamics, um, and I feel the need to preface this because I'm coming from a lens of, you know, being a dark-skinned black woman, you know, raised in America, um, so I'm always looking at it through that lens. But if you look at the power dynamics between, let's say, you know, a white cis male um, and like me, you're not starting on equal footing there within this country. So if you're looking at like the firmest definition of consent, Technically, that's got to be a no. And that's the reality of it. Now, you factor in other things, I guess it gets very gray and very murky, but um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, nice um, about you. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is actually like um, when I came to like look at the Google Doc, I saw that this question was already on there. So I was like glad because this was already one that I was going to want to put down there. But um, yeah, to Melanie's point, I guess some background. Um, I'm like light skin, half black, um, Evan Ross, um, Evan Ross complexion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in my, my recent dating history, um, I had like my uh, before now, like my last two uh, people I dated were both white people. Um, and I, I think I feel, I feel like I started thinking about this question in my most recent white relationship it was like, oh yeah, can, can that? <laughs> Melanie has a look, but, um, she knows things, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, can, can that ever be like consensual? And I ultimately think like, yeah, within like that, like, I don't think so. And it was like being in a relationship that even made me think about, um, that question. But, um, so I, so I think about it in like terms of like, yeah, that power dynamic, I think about it, but then sitting here as we're having this conversation, it made me like um, widen it and think about like all power dynamics. And then made me think that like, can sex ever be truly consensual? Um, or is that like missing the point? I don't know, but I, I, I wondered that, but. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so, so I feel like, yeah, for me as of now, I would say, I don't know if sex can ever truly, I do not think sex between a black person and a white person can ever be truly consensual. Um, in the world we live in now. I, I wish I could provide a unique perspective or, or uh, a differing opinion, but I can't. I remember like, I thought about this like almost like six or seven years ago when like one of my white friends came from like their f feminism class and they like relayed some like, that some thinker, I didn't really bother to look them up, um, some thinker, some second wave feminist thinker theorized that since like patriarchy like is a thing, and, like pretty intractable at this point, like no, like no instance of heterosexual air quote sex could ever be consensual. Um, and they were arguing that from the fifties, <clears throat> like when like, you know, 
if you were to get a credit card, like you needed a man signature and like there are several like several like state level things that require like a cis man to um, co-write you if you're a woman. And like at the time that this author was writing, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. When we look back at like movies from the time <clears throat> and like notice like the dynamics between men and women, it was like, it, it was really hard to like think about like those relationships of consensual and like even going back to like you know our favorite period dramas and stuff like that about like elizabethan or victorian england like that's an environment like replete with rape like like a father's like pimping out their their daughters and stuff like that to like people that they don't love for like money and stuff like that because they can um <clears throat> and like with the intractability of like anti-blackness and the way that like white normativity saturates everything it really does feel like i guess i'll be charitable and say that like possibly like for some instances like true consent can exist between like a black person and a white person to like for like the black person to like freely give themselves to a white person maybe but like <clears throat> under like capitalism specifically like and the way that African people and Black people are situated within it. Like, I feel like, from what I've like researched in these past couple of weeks, I really can't really find anything to get rid of the notion that having proximity, having some proximity to whiteness, is a survival mechanism or can like give some level of survivability. And like, it seems that way when you look at like fucking Frederick Douglass. And like um, W uh, W D B Du Bois, like early, like in his life, he writes about like how he really wanted white chicks. Um, Fred Moten, one of my favorite theor black theorists, theorizes a lot about like blackness and stuff like that. White partner Frank Wilderson, like even though like he thought of the idea or like him and Cydia Hartman came up with the idea of you know Afro pessimism in an interview that they did, like. He really gets credited with um, <clears throat> with the idea of Afropessimism and like the the analytical rigor therein. He has a white wife, like in the in the intellectual framework that says like like niggas are non humans and like really have a lot of trouble like adhering within anthropom an anthropomorphic lens and like movements of like human inclusion and stuff like that, like. Also has a white wife. Franz Fanon, white wife. Mm. Like it's, it's so often that like these these black people that spend so much time thinking about the black condition and like the intractability of like whiteness as an antagonist to like black and African progress, like also have to have white partners. And this is where I like a little disclaimer. Like I come off of years of dating white people um and i'm non-monogamous polyamorous and my current partner is um, half black of jamaican extraction um yeah team black mom so they are saying um everyone within everyone within the circle of enslavement knows that there is a type of marked difference between <laughs> um <clears throat> them and negroes that have black a black father and them negroes that have a white a white mother um but yeah so 
I really feel like it's hard for consent to exist there because there's just like so much incentivizing like attachment to like some type of white body or like white object to gain wider recognition within like the flow of like the polity and like the state. Um, sorry, you're about to say something. Yeah, I, I wanna I wanna kind of piggyback on that a little bit. Um so one of the um one of the sources that you gave us was um Hortense Spillers to the bone, um, which I watched a little bit um before mm. this. She talked a little bit about kind of like what's seen as like, I don't know, the 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 first real acknowledged instance of like an interracial relationship. Um Jefferson and Sally Hemings, right? Um, and how that kind of facilitated this creation of like behavioral crypts and the way like that we kind of don't discuss certain things or don't talk about these things that are occurring in plain sight, right? Um, in regards to like the interracial relationship, that particular relationship, which is essentially rape and how it's been romanticized and it's seen as a romance now. Um, and I think about that in terms of like how we kind of maybe have in, inherited those kinds of behaviors with those kinds of relationships or they've been passed down through generations. Um, and I just, I don't know if it's possible for a white person and a black person to get together without the weight of that. Um, and like those behavioral crypts, those things that we don't talk about, we don't discuss. Um, without doing like severe rigorous work on a daily basis mm. um and i don't think that most romantic relationships within the construct of capitalism allow that period yeah so i just i don't understand how it would be possible so <laughs> yeah where <laughs> Um, I have two two questions. Um, one's kind of like a direct add-on to this, and one's kind of like um, pulling a little, one aspect of what you've said in kind of a different direction. Um, but I guess the first one. So, um, so like all the all like the theorists and like scholars and like uh, people you just like listed that that do like have like a white partner. Does that like um, make you feel like they have like less credibility, or does that like make you feel like there's like an asterisk by their name or does that take away anything from um, the things that they assert or the things that they study or say that then they still go home to like a white person at the end of the day? The scary answer is no, because if you threw them away, there would be so little. Like there would be so, there's like, I don't know, at least like intellectually and like the way I've been taught and given um, black feminism and stuff like that. and like similar, similar like academic and like general like nigga normative um thought traditions like they are so indebted to niggas with white partners um and like that like i i wonder about that like and i and when i when i was thinking about that this morning i i thought back to like when i was dating more white people and how i was like leading more marches and like a little bit more like interested in like showy or performative or confrontational type of organizing 
in general. Um, yeah, what were we talking about? The um, just now we were talking about um, people having like white partners, like Fred Moden. Oh yes, and, uh, yeah. So like at the time, like when I was leading all these marches and stuff like that, and having white partners and pursuing white relationships, like. I remember like having weird thoughts like, oh yeah, I have, I feel like I have like a certain energy and capacity to like really tackle the work now that I have like a white partner at home and stuff like that. And, like, I don't really have to think about race when I'm at home. And I wonder, and like when I was having those thoughts at, at the time and like when I'm discovering all of them, like, yeah, I, I guess at the very least in my, in my archives, like in the super, super secret mental archives, they have an asterisk by their name because like it's a problem <laughs> that I haven't thought through yet because like I remember that like discovering that all these niggas that I have a lot of respect for like ultimately like either died or like are still with like white people like and something particularly like that Frank Wilderson said like really fucked me up and like I get it by way of transmission through a Fred Moulton lecture and Fred Moulton's talking about in Frank Wilderson's book, Incognito, how Frank is, you know, talking with um, some other Black women, and they're, like, folding envelopes. They're doing some, like, basic organizing, you know, busy work or that you have to do to do the things. And one of them just asked, like, non-confrontationally, like, hey, do you ever think, Frank, that you're going to date, like, a Black person ever again? Um, just out of the middle of nowhere. And hear Fred tell it like in 20 pages he does like a lot of beautiful work but at the end of it he comes to the conclusion of like you know how could nothing ever be with nothing and he leaves it at that like his like his his answer to like this thing after like 20 pages of like beautiful prose and stuff like that is ultimately like you know how could nothing be with nothing like and that's that's where my twitter handle comes out of um little Nilo from the Latin phrase, nihil ex nihilo. Um, nothing comes nothing from comes, nothing. Yeah. yeah, nothing comes from nothing, meaning like nothing comes from nothing, which, you know, if you disregard the idea of nothingness and stuff like that, it doesn't really mean anything to you. But if you recognize that like nothingness actually does bear a sort of content and stuff like that, you're recognizing that like this is a content that is like self-producing. Nothing produces nothing um and yeah so that moment like when i read when i heard that that frank wilderson said that, i'm like what's the point uh, like and i think that this gets at like the one some of the wider questions about like you know can you be pro-black and date white like i don't really know what's the point of like dedicating and professing um a love and like focus on liberation for African people and having like a romantic catharsis be not an African person, um, especially in recognition of like, it's not, it's not like the libidinal field isn't flat. Like, you know, the, the field of affection and desire is not like a flat field. Like it's, it's like there, I've often said that there's a love drought when it comes to black people and people of African descent, like economically, psychologically, metaphysically, like the human as like a category that you could think of, hey, Sylvia Winter, like has difficulty thinking and incorporating like us into it. Um, like, and you can, and 
I feel like, you know, there are people that clap at, at Afro-pessimism about that, like, in several different ways, and I don't really care because, like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, I feel like the cat, the category of human and, like, how white-centric it is, like, it, it's fine. Like, it's just, like, a furball for, like, a lot of, like, maladaptive stuff that our species has, has done, in the, like, in the name of certain types of, certain types of survival. Like, I don't want to reduce it to survival because, like, people across the world that haven't been in Europe have found lots of ways of existing that did not mimic like the really cancerous cultural trends that have like come out of Europe and whiteness. Um, forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> um, I have a couple, yeah, like questions to go along with that unless you're okay. about to say something, Melanie. If it's if it's in the within the same track, then you keep going. I don't want to mess up the flow of that. I mean, I don't like. I I guess maybe it's in the same track. Maybe your question is more track line. But um, I guess I'll say something, and then you'll see. Wait, if it is. Um. Okay. So earlier you had mentioned um something about like uh I can't remember the specifics, but obviously like in effect of um of dating of interracial dating is um right like having mixed kids and then um there was uh or not like dating will ultimately lead to kids but like you know an aspect of interracial dating mixed and then you talked something about like white mother um like having the white mother and then um this is something that i've only been thinking about more recently i feel like this conversation i keep like hearing coming up um so again i don't, I don't know how i feel like it's related to the conversation but um so this the, i'm interested or curious about um this perceived difference in like um like a black person or a half black person um that has like a white mother compared to having a black mother and like um what that <laughs> i don't know if this is too too uh, touchy i see melanie making faces but um but i feel like this wasn't something i thought about but um i feel like i hear this conversation like a lot more recently with um with maybe with a uh, black people that have like white moms and like um what that could mean versus like having a black mom um if you have like different relations to blackness if that's like too much of an umbrella term um but i haven't thought about this but when i like um in recent interactions with like uh black people or like half black people that have like a white mom it seems like it seems so much more of a fixation for them but again i'm just like talking about like a handful of people so obviously i'm not saying it across the board but um <laughs> but is that something does that mean something um, it, can you tell also too, like, can you tell if you're like talking to somebody that's half black, can you tell like, oh, your mom's white, oh, your mom's black. Um, I guess it's for everybody here. But, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it, I feel like it's a nigga normative like trope that like, you know, niggas with white moms is nutty and like niggas with like black moms is like just niggas. Um, I think part of that is like, I can't remember the Latin, but like sequitur into them or something like that, like the baby follows the condition of the mother um, from like slavery and stuff like that. Like in slavery, literally, like if you have a black woman, like their children are gonna be slaves no matter what. Like broke, not a lot of money, just buy one woman slave, have sex with her, have a kid, sell the kid, buy, buy some more slaves, keep it going. Um, and like if like your mother is white, then you are like, you follow the condition of the mother to ergo you're free. But didn't always work like that because it's just more it's more niggas for the cotton field ultimately um but i feel like that's like 
I, I think that might be the dinosaur bones of it. But nowadays, like, I definitely feel like something about like the the white feminine and like what I've observed of like the half the the black people that have like had white moms in my life is that like yeah i've heard some of the most like violent like parents just being like openly racist like i've usually heard those stories being white moms in some way in some weird way and like lots of black people i've interacted with that have had white moms really have this um troubled relationship to their whiteness i remember i was <laughs> i was giving some sort of training once and this person said, you know, I'm as much a black person as I am, as I am a white person at the end of the day. Like, you know, I come from both these worlds. And I was like, um, <laughs> I see your kinky hair and I, I feel like something needs, I, like something, yeah, yeah. So that's just what I know. And like in my general zeitgeist and of my homies, like in the dark skin verse like it's a thing it may not be a thing but like <laughs> it's a nigga thing so it's relation to thing thingliness is like troubled and non-existent and present all at the same time i feel like growing like this whole thing with like white mom versus black mom i only just learned about this when I moved here to the Pacific Northwest because I grew up in the south and in the south if you're black you're just black there's no nuance to it like we don't break it down into spectrums so like that's kind of what I grew up with um so this is a lot of this is very new to me um and also I you know I didn't know a lot of biracial people growing up in the south um so yeah it's interesting it's interesting. I do feel like this dichotomy has definitely been like more easily artic articulated in the Pacific North Northwest. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like it definitely like attracts a lot in the Pacific Northwest because of the specific types of like black folk up here, like either like from the soil or like transplants. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was also here when I was in college, like six years ago when I started learning about this uh this mean yeah. this trend within blackness yeah i feel like it's something yeah like I, i'm still fairly new around it wasn't something i thought about um yeah like i have a black mom so i didn't have like issues with my mom or whatever but it seems like um <laughs> so I remember like obviously I would think about like what my life would have been like had like my dad been black that's like a question I've had before like oh what it would have been like to have like a, a black father but um I never thought about like not you know my I never thought like not about my mom but then like it's only when like I'll talk to other people like other like half black people in our um half black um club that we have And then, yeah, it seems like a lot of um, people with, like, white moms, it seems like, I mean, it makes sense that they maybe have had, like, issues with them or, like, have had, like, troubled relationships with them. Um, but then it seems like a lot of them, too, like, maybe, like, had imagined, like, oh, if I had a black mom, you know, I, my hair could have, like, been done or whatever. And other stuff, you know. Yeah. I remember when one of my white friends was, I, if... If you're listening to this and you know who you are, 
it is what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they started dating this black football player and asked me if I knew how to do his hair. <laughs> it, like and like they're they're like they're generally usually an all right white person and it, it was just like something i just like i i remember like either i didn't answer it or i let it slide and it was just held between it was like you fucked up there didn't you <laughs> <laughs> now who knows how to do that nigga's hair that nigga and his mama yes that's right your nigga friends don't know how to do your other nigga friends hair <laughs> unless your nigger friends and friends with your nigger friends mm. and then what they do is not really none of your business unless you're dating one of them then it suddenly becomes your business and that's why i don't fuck with it <laughs> and then that leads me to kind of like a next another question i have um we've all admitted to to having a white dating history um then have our have past white have past white dating um partners um all of them some of them ever become like too familiar with blackness um think they know some like inside information and then like have some confidence or confidence that comes from perceived knowledge or um maybe the way they move through the world changes because now they know things that they didn't have <laughs> access to previously <laughs> that is a good question um, <laughs> I would like to say, I would like to preface this by saying I have dated a white, one, singular. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, it was not a serious relationship. It was very kind of like superficial, recreational, what have you. Um, but even within the context of that, I did pick up this, like, over time this kind of level of um familiarity um or engagement with like discussion of race and culture that left me feeling uncomfortable at times like you're just you should just not be saying things in this moment you should just shut the fuck up right now so like that is always an option always <laughs> it's one it's free it's 100 percent free it doesn't cost you anything yeah Save money. It's a pandemic. Shoot. Yeah. What about you, Max? You posed the question. Oh yeah, no, I, I I have that experience. That's why I posed the question. I think um, I, think uh, I gave too many uh too many things away. Gave too many things away. <laughs> I'll talk cash shit about myself because this is a now past Asante um that shall never see the light of day again. Um, but I was definitely, and like, this is one of my disclaimers, my polemics against like dating white people specifically comes out of like how disappointed I am with myself when I was dating white people, like of all the beings I have been like since my, the start of my dating history until like very recently when I decided to like date white people, the person I like I was and like the type of blackness and like the type of black person I wanted to be was extremely disappointing to who I am now. Um, I wanted to get blackness away. I really like, I was in like a weird type of modality where I thought that like to be a, a good nigga intellectual was to disseminate the knowledge and like the gospel of blackness 
to everyone and like eventually like trouble and like and there's some things i keep from that time like at the time i believe that like <clears throat> i'm trying i'm trying to figure out how to articulate this without getting y'all on a watch list um <laughs> Okay, I'll just be booked. That like white people, like white people and whiteness needs to be eradicated. And like, I think that the history of humanity has shown that like, from the Assyrians till now that like no group of people was ever successfully eliminated through violent conflict, like specifically through violent conflict and no genocide has ever been like fully successful in eradicating a people. And that's talking violently. I'm not necessarily calling for that, Although I 100% know that like there are going to be people later on down the road that like when given the like when given the choice, hey, lay down your whiteness and all this stuff that like confers under that and like exists in like a new way, like a new scary way that's like leaving all that whiteness and like the capitalism and all the bullshit that I left behind. There are definitely going to be, be people like, no, no, you, you're going to have to take my life first. And like <clears throat> those people will be dealt with how they get dealt with. But I think that like something that carries through till now <laughs> like i i think that like it's definitely going to require violence but like i think that like rhetorical and like confrontation like can be like pretty pretty fucking you know corrosive at times and i i still think that that is like a way of um getting things done um kevin my fbi agent i really think that we can solve racism and capitalism and all the issues of our modern world through conversation and meaningful, open-hearted dialogue. And to the motherfuckers that want to get buck, I mean, we too. I, I am Nuck, if you want to be buck. Um, <laughs> and I, I personally like, you know, when it comes time and the great horn, and the great horn sounds like I'm, I'm, I, I'm really like, I have my white friends and they all know that I will be their accounting agent. Like I, I will be the one that's like, okay, so. I hold your book of misdeeds against Negro kind, and uh, let's see, let's see where you're gonna go, you know, onto on onto the you know greener pastures, or you know, to a place where we teach you things and you can't leave. Um, but yeah, so early, early on in my dating history, I definitely believe the move was to disseminate blackness and like i thought that the white people dating me were like had a front row seat to like the revolution and like a front row seat to like the uh interpersonal experience that eventually all white can't white all white kind would have to experience of like real hard self like self-analysis and proximity to like you know the human other and like the genealogical isolate and like you know the absolute the potentiating aspect of like modern capitalism like in in proximity to that in learning how to love me and stuff like that you're going to be fixed and you're going to be healed and and you're not going to be white anymore you're going to go back to being an, an, an iberian or a celt or a Swabi or um or a lusitani or an etruscan or a melanese or whatever ancient formation yeah uh, or summation listen i fucking know so many european indigenous names indigenous names for peoples y'all can pick just go just the picks are one too <laughs> see see and this is why like i remember reading like julius caesar's letters and stuff like that yeah and then reading um <laughs> like early reports from like 
um, American colonizers and stuff like that, including like some works by Custer. I'm just like, wow. So Julius Caesar just came through and Custered your whole shit. And you just decided that you wanted to be just like the Romans, huh? Huh? Now yeah, look don't at talk you. about it, but yeah, Caesar committed genocide against the Gauls. Horrible genocide. Hor- horrible. Nobody talks about, no one talks like that. Because they're all fam now. It's all cool. It's all Gucci. I, I think that goes to your like to your earlier point and then to like this um, next question about like you can just completely eliminate somebody through violence. Um like, it's like partially violence, but then it's also just like merging, like you like you absorb them. Um like the Gauls were absorbed into like Rome. Um so so then this idea that yeah, like obviously like we can't just like eliminate people only through violence, it becomes like one culture will absorb another culture. And then, um, so yeah, this question, question number five, oh, this gross fascination projection of interracial relationships as a solution oh, to racism, it seems like, oh, that seems like this horrible false trope, but then down the road, is that the solution? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's all turn our eyes south to the Caribbean and South America and just... Just let's let's just let's just not say anything. Just look, because four hundred years ago, some brilliant Spaniards who themselves, oh my, like the, so in fourteen ninety two, a bunch of white people in Spain kicked out the niggas that was ruling Spain. Ultimately, stole the money from all the Jews that were living in Spain and kicked them out in pogroms and things like that and then sent some dumb motherfucker over here to you know not over here they wanted a quick a shortcut to india so that they could get spice and like corner some goddamn market on slaves or spice and you know here we are here we are um and they really like and at a certain point like in like the spanish empire they really thought i was like oh wow we got Africans coming over here. We got some indigenous people over here. You know, we used to be niggas, technically. We used to be Muslim, but now we're Christian. Everything's cool. We got their infrastructure and their language and their numerical system. It's all good. So, like, here in South America, we're just going to, like, in, like, so many South American countries, like, have, at some point in their history, this idea, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to create, like, the society because we got all the people here and like <clears throat> i don't want to say that the revolutionary projects of like any south american pr- country is like farce because no like all of them like in like honestly if you take any south american country sub argentina argentina you just sit over there because i'm just worried about like a lot of why does your grandpappy speak German so good? Anyway, like, I, I think any <laughs> South American revolution and, like, racial landscape that they've created is, like, a lot, I don't know, has different survivabilities than what we're used to here in America, I'll say, at the very least. I don't want to say that's better because, like, still, like, raciality can, like, and has led to, like, the end of lives in South America, but, <clears throat> yeah. The idea of like Latinx and like the the Latin race and like Hispaniola was this idea of like, yeah, we're gonna amalgamate. They're gonna be super smart, super fast, super cool, and everything's gonna be chill. But that's like not the case. 
and like also like their like vestiges of like eugenics in there and like eugenic science and like the 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 science that like that whole argument like bases itself off of is like shaky it's like so it's so fucking shaky shaky like yeah it's it's to prove it's disproven more and more and more and like the more that you analyze like like individual relationships individual like instances of people that like come from mixed relationships the stories vary and like they don't trend to they haven't trended over the centuries or like even over the last like decades towards like a general like equanimitous nuclear family of like perfect understanding and enlightenment like that's like you hear stories about like yeah mom and dad fight and then i get called nigger sometimes um by my white parent or like you know the these issues like don't like Meghan Markle is a perfect example like you can find a white person that's totally cool everything's all right and you have to worry about their family like and I I have no plans on like producing children but like it's something I think about a lot like when <clears throat> like the Meghan Markle thing made me like rethink about like my views on like having children and I thought again about like you know having a mixed kid and like I, I, even though I'm queer and trans, um, I have like a pretty good relationship with my family now. It's a very recent thing. And it's just such, it's just such a full and bounteous thing. And it's such a respite to know that none of them support Trump and that none of them like, to know that none of them is like, oh yeah, you know, I, I have a little nigger nephew or, you know, my, you know, I, I, like I, to know that none of my family is like claiming me is like their like reason why they can't be racist it's like it's a real respite and that's something i would want for my kids too and like i feel like a lot of people in this focus and like because like and that's another aspect of like being traumatized by like raciality and racism you like you internalize a lot of responsibility and some people really do like and I've heard narratives of like individuals that feel like like it's their job to fix it in some way and like by having a mixed kid like they did that or like by you know being mixed they are doing that but like I, I feel like it's really fucked up like we we have to stop like we've been throwing our children into like the the gears of raciality since slavery and like I think it's like really fucked up to like continue that calculus um <clears throat> and like and that's where it leaves me like with a lot, a lot more questions in this whole dialogue because like i don't want to say that like yeah don't have mixed kids because one family's gonna be fucked up and then the kid's gonna be fucked up and it's just awful and like they're all abominations because it's like it's empirically not true and like it's also not helpful and it also doesn't like help you analyze the problems of like where the problems actually do like arise yeah but ultimately short answer i think it's just white supremacy like another like off venting mechanism of white supremacy another like reformist mechanism that's thrown out it's like hey this is achievable we won't kill you for trying to do it anymore <laughs> we've eased up we won't try and like if you do this thing you will be working for the progress and your body too can be hung on the end of the long arc of justice 
that's bending towards, you know, the long arc of history that's bending towards justice. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, um, oh, it just escaped me. If you have something, Melanie, I'm gonna try to think of my thing. Um, I mean, just going back to this, this kind of pervasive idea of like, um, you know, the interracial relationship is like the, the end game or whatever, the solution. Um, one thing that I've be, been noticing more and more lately is how pervasive and like, um, it's mm -hmm. everywhere in like media and like pop culture. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And I remember TV shows that had a spectrum of black people of all different shades, um, of all different backgrounds, even like class-wise. Um, and, and now it seems to be one particular shade. And this seems to be happening more and more. Like it's overt now. And I'm just struck by that um, because it's, it feels, I don't, it, I, it doesn't feel like it, a, a progression to me. It feels like something that just happened and is being normalized more. Mm. So I just think that's interesting to watch unfold. Um, I'm thinking in particular of Kenya Barris and his brand of comedy, um, <laughs> but also like pretty much every Netflix movie that features a, a, a black person. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, it's interesting um, that this is presented as like the solution here um, in a culture that I would venture to say does not discuss these things nationally. Um, in a very nuanced way. So, but all of these things are happening on the surface. So, yeah. Um, I kind of remember my question now. Um, <clears throat> then I could like earlier talking about like, you know, eliminating, eradicating whiteness, white people, um, but it's not like killing everybody that's white, it's like killing the idea of whiteness and like getting white people to no longer like identify as white. Right. And like to like, you know, um, vacate their power and their whiteness. And then I think about that because I think about like white people who like do that currently or like, oh, I'm not white. I'm German or I'm not white. I'm a <laughs> French. But then like how I feel like that's like the opposite <laughs> of the thing, because like they're just trying to like avoid all their privilege and responsibility. So it's like, mm -hmm. how do you go from like there from like a white person being like, oh, I'm not white. I'm French. Like, you know, don't come at me with that shit to, to like actually like destroying whiteness to where people are like. I'm um I'm a Gaul or I'm a Celtican or whatever the white races are. Oh. I don't know. I don't <laughs> care. It's not my job to like make that. And it's like white people. It's the people currently known as whites' entire job to generate that, create that, make it look pretty, make it wholesome, anti-capitalist, um, anti-racist, anti-white. You know all the things and you know wrap it up in a bow and present it to us like 
they they shat in the room. They need to clean it up. <laughs> and like, also, I'm not I'm not dating a white person, so like, it's it's like I don't. That's another reason why I didn't like why I started why I stopped dating white people is because like, once I got to the point, I was like, I really don't know how to revert y'all or like convert y'all into like a useful like human substance or like a useful polity. So like it's deuces like I, I I really don't have anything for you because like also like something I think about often is that in every moment that like <clears throat> I spent trying to like coach my white partner or like tell them why something was fucked up like this is another like I could have smiled at 50 black people I could have said hello and like asked the day of like 20 black people like there there's there's so much like interpersonal space and time that like white folk took up in my life um that I wasn't even like ready to do like the the intramural work with black folks and stuff like that and it really made me feel alienated from them so yeah I really feel like th that work is like up to them and like I have I'm so ready to be surprised, like, because it's, it's not something I devote intellectual time to. I devote more intellectual time to self-defense, to the white people that will opt out of, like, you know, that will opt, opt into whiteness, opt out of, you know, another paradigm of being. Like, I, I spend more time, like, getting ready to, you know, have wonderful and equitable conversations with those individuals that disagree with me, Kevin. <laughs> yes. I, I would also like to say, like, going back to, you know, dating white people, like, I think that it's a particular kind of violence to have to endure everything that we endure as black people in this world. And then within the context of a relationship have to explain that violence to your partner. I refuse to do it. I just, I can't do it. I'm not going to. And that's just what it is. Like, no. <laughs> I feel like I remember once like, and like I squashed it because, and that's why it's like hardly a memory now. But I remember once, like some Negro got murdered, and like a white partner will like want to ask me about it. And I was like, now that I remember, I think I left. I think I like left the room, and like I didn't see them. Like I didn't hang out with them. Like after that, because like, oh yeah, what's up, Holly? How do you feel about this? And I was like, I'm gonna go back to my room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bye. Mm. All right, so let's move a little bit beyond the white here <laughs> and on to the next question. Yeah. What are your stances on dating non-black POCs, people of color? Well, if you are white, my DMs are open you have to pay $1,200 to my Venmo or Cash App, but I am offering a discount. You 
I'm willing to cut that in half. You only have to pay me 6000 and then you make a donation to the Nat Turner Project of 6000 <laughs> So, you know, you're only paying me like 6000 ultimately. So you're getting a discount. Um, and with non-Black people, like, darker than paper bag can holler. Yeah, darker than paper bag can holler. I, I, I love my current partner with all my heart. They're really great, and I'm really happy that we found each other. But um, I think I only have capacity for one light-skinned lover. Um, yeah, as like a dark-skinned being. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's, <laughs> that's just me. That's just me. But like wider in general for like the wider community of niggas in large, like I have to say like disclaimer, like who niggas date, sadly is not my business unless like you're a crush of mine, then like it's, then it's kind of my business but not not still not really because like it's you and like you can fuck whoever you want to and that's not really not my business but if they're white i'm, I'm definitely gonna like shade you in my mind i'm gonna tell my ancestors about you um <laughs> and uh i definitely feel like it's safer to date non-black people of color than it is to date white people i think that they're like you know if we were like on, on my back porch and stuff like that and you know just speaking as aunties or whatever like I could go into gradations and typations of like you know where you want to go for what experience and like knowledges about like whose anti-blackness is smack in like what specific ways and these are things and like this is from personal experience and this is these are things I thought about like when I was like okay I'm not gonna date white people anymore who am I gonna date it's like oh well you know I, I can open myself to whoever like oh y'all are anti-black like this and y'all are anti-black like that and y'all anti-black like that and like if one of y'all likes me like i'm going to feel like i'm you know i'm like oh my god they like me and i and i was like okay so no i i, I can't do that i have to be single and think to myself but of course i didn't actually do that um but yeah i like going back to my disclaimer it can't really be my business and like recognizing that there is a love drought for black people. It feels like often like I've gotten called out on Facebook and Instagram several times for like shit on people that date white people. Um, like and several things have been like, you know, am I essentialized to like who am I, who I'm fucking and stuff like that. I'm, I, I am more than like who I'm in a sexual relationship with. And um, thing, things like that. And also like, you know, shouldn't you be happy that black people are getting love where they get it? Like that's one, that's one major one. Like if, you know, we recognize that anti-blackness is a thing and like one very difficult thing researching this was like how heterosexual this whole dialogue and discourse is in like the wider mediascape. And that's why I'm happy that we're having it. Like, because yeah, in the wider mediascape, it's like very heterosexual and like has like some pretty heavy scripts of like, you know, black men date white women because x y and z reasons and black women date black white white men because x y and z reasons which like i don't i don't even want to dignify them by saying that they track because they're all like deeply fucked up and all ignore like the fact that like anti-blackness and like the anti-black nature that niggas swim in like niggas swim in anti-black soup and of course, like one of the oh, just tangy ingredients in that soup is like making intersociality between black people so fraught 
and like so fucking difficult and like it's I, I think it's like a fact of the matter and it's something that is to be worked through and I've heard from so many black people that like you know oh you know I don't really date black people and I was one of those black people that said oh I don't date black people because black people aren't into me and like you know I like anime and <laughs> and bullshit like that not the anime <laughs> no I think that we should bring the anime into it because like so like and I'm really happy that like niggas have done the work now to like debunk that myth is like niggas have been watching anime niggas started watching anime the se- niggas learned japanese to watch anime so like let's let's dead that right away like you're just anti-black and i was i was just anti-black i just didn't like black people and i didn't want to be around by black black people i was afraid to be loved and i was afraid i would have to love a black person because of like how fraught our like situation is i remember I was in some sort of training or some sort of workshop in college and someone brought up the idea of like relationships in terms of like a sitting metaphor. Like you can have relationships where you two are sat right next to each other. Um, You can have relationships where you are sat, you know, knee to knee facing each other where like your backs are to the world and like you're focused on each other. And then another example that they showed was um, an example of, you know, back to back relationships where y'all are together physically very close but like your perception and focus isn't really on each other it's on the world and like it was brought up as like an example of like what a lot of oppressed relationships end up looking like um like between ind- two individuals of like marginalized and oppressed identities that like your relationship oftentimes especially like if you're participating in capitalism really does look like real tough and go quick sloppy relationship building that like really focuses on like you know surviving the outside world to come home to each other um and like in some sort of wholesome manner like in some way and i i I really like and at the time and still now i feel like that's the work and like at the time i decided like i really rather be like single and like have a lot of like platonic relationships that i've really dedicated time and like thought and like you know energy towards with black people then like have like a whole bunch of romantic relationships with non-black people because especially like in relationship with um white people my my internalized anti-blackness was festering oh child like and like i hear from like so many niggas that like they've checked their internalized anti-blackness um and i say like good for them but like I don't know. Relation, relationships are tricky things. And I know that lots of individuals make lots of different concessions to get along um, generally. And I like, and often like I see it show up in like argumentation and stuff like that, that there are like these micro concessions that like people dating white people make and that I made when I was dating white people, these micro concessions. And like they show up as like really weird shit that they could say like really 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 weird shit that they could say like you know being pro-black doesn't mean being anti-white and stuff like that and like <laughs> general like in- inclusion you know politics just like stuff that's like not actually grounded in any like sort of like revolutionary groundwork just all based in like this neoliberal 
politics of like it feels good and we're all gonna feel good together because we're fucking and nutting in each other and like it feels good and like who matters if like libidinally like my partner like like exists within an ecosystem where they literally fucking want to eat me like vincent (laughs) vincent woodward in the delectable negro lays out in very beautiful and like life-destroying ways like how like there is a phagocentric or fate yeah phagocentric like halo or like bent to like white relation towards black bodies and like black people like wanting to like devour us like and i feel like that gets back to the earlier question of like why is like amalgamation and like why is mixing the races going to fix racism i think it's like within this narrative that like you know you're great you're cool but like if i absorb you you'll be even cooler right like all this all that stuff that's like weird about you and like like bothers me like will be suppressed by like inclusion and to see these bitches just really haven't like sat with like you know infinite difference and infinite possibility and like the non-regulation of difference like I feel like so much of our society is just like still weirded out and not knowing, not having the tools to like deal, like actually deal with difference for itself. And like there, there's so many different ways that you can deal with difference, but like this incorporation, inclusion, absorption stuff, like it ultimately says that like there is some state that needs to be diluted and there's another state that needs like empowerment or titration and like i don't i don't feel like that that needs to happen for like our future i i believe that like you know far off in the future there will be dark-skinned niggas like and like it feels so weird that that's a revolutionary phrase like yeah i believe that like our future will have like dark-skinned niggas that like have families that like look like what the fuck ever but like they predominantly look you know look like they're from africa which is not like the like a lot of people's predominant idea like uh, like a lot of like the zeitgeist and like the vulgar understanding of like miscegenation is that one day we're just all going to be beige which scares white people because white people aren't beige and you know they might be a minority and you know, I don't know. Like, do they think that something bad happens to minorities? Does, <laughs> like, in wide experience, does like a minoritarian position mean something bad? I don't know. Um, I feel like uh, we've kind of like touched on this um next question a bunch of different times or a bunch of different ways. Um. But just in generally within um, a conversation of dating while black, I think about um, yeah the products the products of interracial of miscegenation. Um, who who should the products of miscegenation date? Only their like for like. Like I'm I'm half black, half Mexican. Um, should I only date somebody that's half black, half Mexican? Um, should Tyga only date somebody that's like half black, half Vietnamese? Um, <laughs> You know, like, like, what is, or is it like, or should I, you know, like, or half black, half white people, should they date like a white person? Should they date a black person? And then also, I wonder, like, does that become like some type of fetishization? Like, oh, if I'm half black, but I only want to date like black people, or if I only want to date um, whatever, like whatever my other half is, 
Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just curious about that. Um, I hate that I borrowed the word miscegenation because <laughs> I hate that I hate that word. And like in my disclaimers, I wanted to say like concretely, like, hey. I am not like an anti-miscegenationist. Like, I am not one of those people out there like, don't you dilute our precious nigger blood with any of that other bullshit. Um, because that's not how I feel. Like, ultimately, I feel like like people that are mixed should like feel free to date whoever they want to with the caveat knowing that white people are dangerous and they want to eat you. And they probably like want to date you so that they can have like some sort of mixed babies as well. It's not a vibe. Like people of color, they might make jokes about you, but they will love you. And that is like how many of our communities like show love in the most like maladaptive, weird ways. <laughs> like it is what it is. But yeah, I yeah, I I have deep feelings of care concern about that question because like I, I definitely think like it's being asked by some people um but yeah like and I would say this for anyone in general like date who date who the fuck you want to date but also understand that like who you date can be interpolated or can can be seen as indicative of like what's happening with your micro politics of desire like if like anybody is dating like nothing but white people like that's gonna show something like i don't know and like this is where i'm weird and contradictory like white people that date only white people like so what are you a nazi like you're just trying to preserve the race like what what like you you afraid and then like when they start dating black people it's like ah so you just want to eat us like you you, you got jungle fever hmm? is that is that what it is they they can't really do anything to satisfy me, and I think that's good for them. It keeps them working hard. Um, you know. I don't know. Then again, I don't think that we want them working hard because you know, Devil's Workshop is a white man's hands. That's what I always say. Idle hands are the devil's playthings. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I agree. Like, I don't think like white people can ever win. Um, and my like um, understanding of anything like they're always just like doomed if they do doomed if they don't um, but um, so I'm always going to be mad at them <laughs> yeah but um, sorry were you about to say something oh I was just saying that it's a real psychological stint for me that like anytime that something goes wrong like you know the other day I stubbed my toe and it really hurt but it felt so much better it's like god damn it this is white people's fault and then like it just didn't hurt anymore. It didn't hurt in the same way because I had blamed it on white people. And it, it, it genuinely makes me feel better. Like I say crack of five times in the morning and it makes my teeth whiter. Like it's, it's just like, and this is another reason why I couldn't date. And like, it kind of gets back at the general subject. Another reason why like I'm sometimes questioning of like black people that date white people um, is because like, I know now if I was to date a white person, it would just be the dozens all the time. I'd just be like making fun of them constantly. It's like, get your white ass over here. And also like, if I let them see me, because like, as we all know, like, hey, if you want to DM me $12,000 to my Venmo or 6,000 to me, 6,000 to the Nat Turner project. Like, it's just, it's just that. And like, I, I know other black people that date white people and they're interpersonals. It's funny. Like, I've seen like some like 
some weird like quasi abusive stuff happen like from black partners to their white partner and stuff like that but like it's all resolved under like the fact that they're they're white so like and do what do does any nigga owe anything to white people no so like are you going to do this yeah fine whatever but like you're it's still a problem because you're creating like disposable individuals like that's a white fucking trait nigga <laughs> and like once again you're back into like another type of whiteness and like that's something i've seen several times and it can just be like as simple as like oh yeah i, I keep my white partner in mind like you know i have a white partner but you know they they fucking know like you know i like my yeah. enemies cut a certain way and like you know come pick me up when i want it it's like that's cool but also like and you know some niggas i've said this have been crushes and i was like you can't talk to me like that like don't ever in your life think that you're going to talk to me like one of your white boos because it's it's wrong you shouldn't talk to people like that it's morally slippery and because they're white but i'm not so don't so it's and a little like, less it's wrong practice. if they're white <laughs> Why I'm not having children because I would teach them terrible things. No, I, but I think that's a really good point. It's something that I I think I'm like having like um, put into like a formed thought, but definitely like maybe I've thought or like felt, but definitely think that yeah, like some people are like dating white people because um, like maybe it's this like reverse position of power. It's like oh, I'm dating like a white person. I like will feel guilty all the time. So I was like. Um, you know, in this in this relationship or in this dynamic, I uh, dictate everything, or you know, it's not even a fair relationship because they literally like do everything for me. Um, but at the same time, part of me feels like, um. <laughs> and also, but like, yeah, and I vibe with you, like, yeah. So like, you are getting served by white person, by a white person, and like, I remember this is gonna be funny. I remember back when I was like thinking about like, well, yeah, I might get like a white partner you know, depending on like how much money they can provide me. And like, because before Tinder's bitch ass cut me off, I had a wonderful Tinder situation where like, if you were white and you, I like swipe right on all white people. And like in my bio, I was like, hey, if you're white and we match, you have to send me money. And like, I I was making like a hundred dollars a month off of that. Like it was, it, it was, a, it was, it was a thing. Like I would match with people like, hey, read my bio here's my venmo and my here's my venmo and like most of them be like yeah i understand here you go i hope you have a nice day i mean like hey black lives matter and like sometimes they'd be like oh well you know i i'm i'm i don't have any money right now but like i'm doing marches and stuff like that <laughs> i'd be like just checking carry on <laughs> like one person i was like you better okay next time um <laughs> So yeah, but all that said, like I was joking about this with my current partner and they said like, yeah, you can do all that stuff and like get money, but ultimately you're still having to interact with white people. And like, that's like, it's, it's labor. It's, it's labor that you are getting paid for. It's labor interacting with white people. It's like, and then I thought about like, you know, it, it takes energy to send a message like, hey, send me my money. And like, how much, uh, how useful would that energy be? And like, you know, sending a nigga like, hey, how are you today? You know, simple as that, simple as that. 
Yeah, no, I think those are all good points. Um, I mentioned like two different like white people that I've dated in my recent future or my recent past. God forbid, recent future. Um, <laughs> for real. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so like, so the first one, um, I feel like maybe like gave me like a false sense of security in dating white people. Um, they were always like, um, anytime I'd be like, oh, that's racist or that's fucked up. They were, there was never any question. They're just like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. And I would never do it again. But then the next white person I dated after that, um, everything was a fucking argument. Everything was like, no, that's not true. Or like prove that or like defend that or like accuse that or that's not that's not this or that's not this or how's that this thing i was like what <laughs> the last white person i dated wasn't like this at all <laughs> but um but yeah the most recent white relationship was like super anti-black and abusive and that's why i'm off white people i am so happy that you got out of that terrible situation yeah that was so undeserved <laughs> and um absolutely wrong. what the f- <laughs> you got me I- <laughs> Like, count, count the stars, count the stars in the sky. Let me tell you, that is how much I am not the one. Like, <laughs> arguing with me? About... Huh. Yeah, that's. But now I'm dating a, a, non, a non-white person and I have to, um mind my p's and q's so much more so there you go see and that is also like an adjustment like when like yeah it wasn't that much of an adjustment for me but like when i decided to date black people and started dating more black people i was like oh i was i was actually like really interpersonally undisciplined before and i was like i was really like ancient and just like personally like i let a lot of my stuff slide while i was dating white people Oh, thank God for saving me and showing me the light. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so our last question, because I notice <laughs> it's eight o'clock now. How? But it's anyway, so much fun. <laughs> we do. Um this question I guess is more so for me than Max, <laughs> but I noticed that you included Kindred in your bibliography. Yeah. Um, and that is very much relevant to my interests. Um, and I've always been, um, a little background, I read Kindred for the first time, I wanna say four or five years ago, which is crazy, right? Mm. But still, um, but it inspired like an entire like work, like an entire, um, graphic novel like series for me. Um, And one of the things that I've always found interesting was Octavia Butler's choice to utilize the narrative of this interracial couple um, in this story. So I was just wondering what the significance of Kindred was for you within the context of like this conversation. I was collecting like all the readings and stuff like that had made me like, ah, this is interesting when I'm thinking about this topic and I remember like when I first read Kindred, which I also think was like pretty recently, I think it might've been as early as like three years ago, I heard the audio book. I remember thinking like, I didn't know that much or anything about the story. 
Um, and then I recognized that they were like an interracial couple. And oh, spoiler alert. Um, <clears throat> at one point, I think his, no, Rufus is the ancestor. What's, what's the white man's name? Oh, is it Tom? Tom, yes. I, I don't know it. if that's true or not. I just said it. I think no, it's I Tom. It. it feels like some general ass name. Tom, <laughs> Chad. We'll, we'll call him Chad. Um, so, like, her white man, Chad, like, at one point gets pulled back in time with her. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's a thing. And, like, there, there's, there is time and space in the book where they're inhabiting the same, like, altered space time. And, like, I don't know, like, as someone that was dating white people, it's something I would do often, or, like, when I was dating white people, I would think often, like, oh, well, you know, 300 years ago, what, what would it be like, you know, like, just you and me, you know, me, a field nigger, and you, you know, the boss's, the boss's daughter, and just, you know, out here just having our, our wonderful, <laughs> like, shit like that, um, and like it, it's it's different for black people because our our past is not really past, mm-hmm. um, especially because like the the structures and like the mus musculature of history is like very very much the same. So like and like Octavia was getting at that in this this book, um, this idea like of getting shot back in time to help some like fuck ass white ass ancestor like stay the fuck alive so that you can exist and like be a glorious nigga in God's daylight. And you need a white man to do it. You need a white man to help. And like, I remember like in the book, like I get really into books, like in Game of Thrones, after the bread wedding, like I stopped reading the book for like two years or whatever when I got to that part because I just got super into it. And I remember reading, it was like, I felt like this aspect of hope and like that, the main character was going to be okay because her white partner was back there and that like the white partner being back there like gave some like assurance of safety and stuff like that and i think that like a it ended up not being that way because chad's a bitch ass and didn't like didn't buck up and like like actually like was in a position to help like in an actual instance of slavery and didn't and just like was shocked white dude and like got clocked um and then like i think it ends up being that chad gets left behind in that time for a while while the main character is like in our present and stuff like that and eventually like they find each other and come back together but i just remember like that being there and existing and it just like really like The entanglement just got me because like here you are a negro having to save like your known white ancestor having to like fucking coax your your great great grandmother like while your great great grandfather is raping her yeah and shit like that and like facilitate that relationship so that you can be born and like in your in your future your cathexis is by choice to a white man i i just think it's like it was wild. It just threw me for a trip. It was like, and like lots of like 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 I said at the beginning, like this this conversation is inarticulable because I feel like that proximity that like 
the founding proximity of like black American life that, you know, our ancestry has rapists in it. And that like the, the engine of American capitalism, like in the South was white men buying and raping black women to have mixed kids to sell um, or keep and work the land. Like that haunts <clears throat> all of this like all of this and makes it so difficult to talk about because like like even for black people loving black people ever since we got here it's been over such a fraught and like coerced ground and stuff like that like our gender dynamics were more even intact and stuff like that our genders adhered as you know in texts according to some folks like in just measurements of like what men women and children get like that's the first evidence of like genders being applied to Africans and like having to inhabit like European genders when they get here and inhabit like different familial structures. Like the whole thing's fraught. And like, I feel like the book at the end, and like, it's kind of like the bitch comes back, arm is in the wall, cuts off her arm and like, she's back. Like, but did you die? Did you die though? Like, it, it's like it's it's it, like I really feel like Octavia. I think it's like, did you die though? Like, yeah, she she did all this and like witnessed like her formation and is like in, taking part in her own formation and like is literally like losing a, a body part to like the struggle. And yeah, that it, it, it is what it is. And like, I feel like it is like, it speaks to this generation, like they're, it's open-ended, like there, can there be resolution? I don't know, but like it, the origins fucked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it? Um, thank you for asking. <laughs> I, that part of the story is something that has always troubled me because I've spent a lot of time thinking about what she meant to kind of extract from that relationship narratively. Right. What I've decided is she used it as a vehicle to talk about the ways in which the institution of slavery um, has fucked us all up, continues to fuck us up, and cannot be extracted from the context of a relationship like at all i think it, it i think it is a critique i think it's interesting mm. that people don't talk about that mm. in this story but um i think it's fascinating because as you said like what we learn when he gets sucked into that time is that he has he has he doesn't really have the power to do anything different ah, no yeah, and that was like one of his major frustrations and like what his trauma was when he got back. He's like, I'm, I'm a white hip, I'm a white hippie from the 70s and I, we're at the forefront and we really think that we got it and I couldn't change a fucking thing. Yeah. And she has to sit with that too. Um, yeah, I, think, I, I just think it's interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah. What do you think about Max? Have you read Kindred? I have read Kindred. I haven't finished it, but mm -hmm. I think I'm on the first like hundred pages. So, <laughs> but I guess I know what happens now. 
<laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's my fault for not finishing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, no, yeah. So I didn't know the ending, but um, I think that's interesting. Well, I mean, she loses her arm in the first, like, in the first, like, couple pages. Like, she talks about that. So hmm. that's not a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> But it does stay gone. It's not like one of those like opening scenes in a show where it's like, oh God, like the main character is like fucked up in a major way. And then you find out like, oh no, Tetrions and the deflector array and you know, everything's fine. <laughs> quantum just, physics. Yeah, quantum physics. It's it's fine. It never really happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened in like a different time space. So it's cool. <laughs> this is this is somewhat unrelated, but as soon as you started saying like science stuff. It made me think of, um, I think I think it was something else you posted. Um, you know that like recent um, meme or like image of uh, the vision, like all blackified. Oh my god, um, <laughs> the negrification oh. of vision. Vishon. Vishon, yes. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think you were talking about that, like in relation to like Marvel characters, because I also think about Thanos as being black. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that a lot, actually. Thanos being yes. black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's weird. Like, yeah, like it kind of it kind of relates to this. Like, I definitely feel like niggas like can and do like. Actually, like I don't think it's just niggas. It's like an indigenous thing. Like something like that indigenous, like something that like an indigenous identity allows you to do is like incorporate non-indigenous like people into your into your polity like seamlessly and this is like why roanoke island like doesn't exist you know it's not because <sighs> we wish it was because they were all killed but no like you know the white people were hungry and we're like hey y'all fam we ain't got no food and indigenous people big kind-hearted wonderful people like yo come and eat come and eat so and and the english couldn't find them when they got back so yeah i feel like niggas are very good at like incorporating new stimuli into their own and it's just like it's wild it's wild like in like every marvel character has like has a one like i've seen and like it's, it's marvel it's marvel specific because like i've seen like megified chris evans with like long nails and stuff like that in several different interviews. But just because he was Captain America in Marvel, like he gets that treatment. And yeah, it's and it's mainly white people. Like I don't really see that much for Anthony Mackie. Like as Falcon, like none of the like nigga femme treatment for him at all, which like it's it's kind of bizarre. It's like, hmm, what? Yeah, it's it's one of those inarticulable weird things. I think that like one might say that maybe Black Panther just made us like, hey, we're turning everything black. Mm. It's not it wasn't black before, but now you are. Okay. Vision didn't smoke black miles before, but now he does. <laughs> what is drip but swag preserving? <laughs> hmm. Well, I think uh We've said some things. We have. I hope, <laughs> I really, really hope that I've given you at least 30 minutes of usable content. Oh, you've given us plenty of content. This has been amazing. Um, 
I, these are, this is not a conversation I've had a lot, actually. Um, or It is Portland. Melanie was scared to have this uh, podcast episode. I am too. I like if I go if I go missing or like let it be known like if I go missing or like I get taken out, it was the interracial cabal like that were <laughs> after me. It was a uh, iced tea and cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> the Squirrel Coalition. <laughs> the Squirrel Consortium. Yes, the Sorrel Consortium came for me. So just, yeah, no, like, if anything happens to me, it was them. Speaking of Marvel, it was, uh, it was Cloak and Dagger. Oh! <laughs> oh! Cloak and Dagger! How did we not talk about Cloak that and Dagger? Weird. That was an interesting, weird show. Oh my God, you have the prototypical oppressed. You have the black man and the white woman. Like the archetype of niggerdom and the archetype of womanhood together linked by something that like it seemed to me that they weren't totally knowledgeable about or okay with or consenting to. Yeah, I, I never watched any of it, but I just remember when it came out. I was like, oh, girl, we have had it. We are done. We get it. We fucking get it. Ugh. I, it just really does feel like, like when I saw this, like, are we in the '90s again? Is that really where we are? Like, are we really in the like colorblind, like colorblind, but everything's fucking neon? <laughs> what the fuck? <sighs> God, that took me back. <laughs> oh, I need a moment. Uh, it was so bad. Oh. <laughs> I just, I'm not, like, I would, I would really, like, love to get paid to just, like, be, like, in writer's rooms and stuff like that when they're just, like, spitballing ideas. Because, like, hearing that idea come across the table, I know it was gold. I, it just, oof, oof. Just, I wow. would love someone to pay you to be in those rooms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those dumbass ideas. <laughs> Y'all would see a lot less. Like I'm telling you, Bridgerton. Bridgerton would have never oh, saw the Bridgerton. light. <laughs> Bridgerton. I have. I have. Cussed, I have cussed out Bridgerton to a bunch of my friends over the past few weeks or so. You know, is like, so fucking. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's Shonda. Like, what's going on, Shonda? Speaking of Shonda, speaking of Shonda, in this whole thing, like, let's talk about depictions of the interracial. Oh, ooh, ooh, yes. Shonda <laughs> loves... How did we not bring that up? Shonda loves giving you some sort of tragic love story. <laughs> oh, ugh. That's all I will say. Just as as Ari as Ariella Tai has pointed out. Yes. Um, in their work, um, in Scandal, she pairs a black woman with a white Republican president. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing that happened, and now like was on board. This was this was like a zeitgeist in twenty twenty, like <laughs> offensive and just like. You don't do that. But like 1820 Republican, like 
that's something that you know all the clan meeting jokes are about that republicans love niggers so you know time's a funny thing time's a funny thing but yeah shonda just really i i would i would love to get paid to just be in shonda's writing room and here just like oh yeah and so our love interests our our black main characters love interest would be this white person why shonda <laughs> why why you can't find two niggas that can get on the screen and act like they like each other you wait, can't. wait i'm gonna push back on that a little bit as someone who's been watching Grey's anatomy for like i want to say 15 16 years she got some black couples on there quite a few that's great i, I more more of that yes. i do not need to see a rape scene Ooh. like in the 18th century on, on bridgerton i didn't need that shonda I oh, didn't. Yeah, I was... didn't. I I, re I really did not. And I didn't need like all those think pieces coming out and all those people like, oh wow, I, I didn't I didn't really think about that as rape at first. And I was like, this is why everything's terrible. Because I didn't need that scene. I didn't need this think piece. And I didn't need to see all these people's like, huh. Well when you when you put it like that, I, I do see how it might have been tricky for that black man to consent. I, I, I see how consent in that thing could have been elusive. I'll give you that. I hate it. I'm just getting angry all over again, just thinking about it. <laughs> so thank you for that. Now I'm pissed again. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh my God. From my rage cream corner to yours. <laughs> this right okay, but how did that get past the writers with no fucking conversation? Like, I don't understand. As I usually say in like Facebook chat rooms, show me the niggas, show me their partners, I will show you what happened. I, you know, like I, this is the thing. <laughs> I worry about the proximities and often like when I've seen like questionable things in Facebook worlds or in the real worlds coming from a nigga, they usually have a white partner. Now, you can be a nigga dating another nigga and be absolutely anti-black. There are tons of them. Tons of them. We love them. We know them. They're in our families. They exist. But, you know, yeah. Like Kamala Harris. Yeah. Is her partner? I thought she was dating a white guy or married to a white guy. Or... Married to a white guy. Okay, yeah. Wild ass shit come out of that nigga's mouth. Oh. Often. Just saying, I'm not saying that there's a correlation, but there's a. <laughs> I'm not saying there's a correlation, but <laughs> connected dots. Keep that in <laughs> yes, keep that. I ain't saying there's a correlation, but you know, the dot, the dot, the dots are there, and they are just diasporic and bound to be connected. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, mm -hmm. so. I guess now it's time for our segments. Um, usually, right about now, I do Seely's glass of water. Um, I where I, I love that name. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> where I usually release all of my verbal ire upon whatever ridiculous, no good, terrible person has shown their ass. A couple of days ago, there was a mass shooting in my old neck of the woods, Atlanta specifically Ackworth, Georgia, AKA Cherokee County. 
I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about how this whole thing is playing out, particularly in the media, but also some of the peripheral conversations happening as well. However, I do value the importance of rest and processing, especially with moments such as these. So I am opting to give myself and everyone else a little more time to get my bearings and truly understand what the hell is happening before I, I unload all of my rage next week. So instead, for now, I will just say abolish the police and stop white terrorism. Oh, and. <clears throat> and now it's time for Just the Facts with Max. Insert segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious about what the facts are going to be. It's hard. Sad. It's hard to come up with one every time. I feel like I'm running out of information to even pull from. <laughs> High heels were first made for riding, horseback riding, that is. Apparently, they were worn by the riders of the cavalry of ancient Persia. The heels in their riding boots allow them to stay secure and stable in their stirrups during battles. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Um, and that brings us to our parting words. I guess I'll go first. Yes. Um, so parting words, first off, um, I'm remembering my manners. Um, Asante, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for being our guest. It's been so amazing talking to you um, and getting to know you a little bit. I honestly just like want to have like so many more conversations with you and uh, we definitely need to like hang out and stuff. Um, yeah, so I had, I had a great time. I feel good. I feel, um, you know, it's always like hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, like we all talked about like being in the woods, dating white people and not knowing any better. And then uh, <laughs> we can all look back at it. So um, it's nice to be able to look back at um, my my past um, tomfoolery and stuff like that and be able to talk about it now. <laughs> but yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, as always, to my amazing co-host, Melanie Stevens. Um, I appreciate you. Um, I have a great time podcasting with you, and um, this has been a great episode. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Oh, thanks, Max. Um, so my parting words, I would also like to thank Asante for stopping by to chat with us. Um, I, the few times that we've talked, <laughs> um, too few in my opinion, I always learn something new and interesting, um, which I gotta be honest, is rare. Um, so I'm just saying, hey, hey, <laughs> um, I just really enjoy like the candor and the, the frankness in which you discuss these things, um, these very difficult things that, um, I personally, um, find it hard to articulate, even though, you know, we're living these things constantly. So thank you for that. It's, this has been, this, this conversation has been one of the highlights of what has been kind of a shit week. So <laughs> that's been great. Um, and yeah, you, you have an open invite to stop by anytime um, and chat with us again. I'm just putting that out there. Um, thank you, Max, for, for all of your Maxness. You're great. Um, it's, you know, as usual, amazing to work with you. Um, and as far as parting words, um, everyone enjoy um, the spring break that's coming up if you are able to. 
um, and at least get a nap in if you can. Um, so Asante, uh, we will give you, as is the custom, the last word before we close out. Oh my goodness. Well, thank y'all so much for having me. It's been so wonderful to hang out with some of the most beautiful Black people I know in Portland and to chill with like other um, Portland artists, nigga Portland artists and luminaries. Um, I've, I've loved this podcast since like, I remember when, I think Melanie, I think I saw your post about announcing that you're going to do a podcast. I was like, oh shit! Um, I love podcasts and this has definitely been one of my favorites. I've heard every single one and I cannot believe that I will be included in the archive of amazing um, people that have come to speak with y'all. And thank y'all so much for the space that y'all held. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just so honored to be here with y'all. Ashe to y'all and y'all's ancestors, who I'm so thankful for bringing you here. And um, yeah, power to the people, off the pigs, um, all liberation to all African people across the continent and across the world. And um, <clears throat> it's our duty to love each other. It's our duty to be free. Simple as that. And remember, as a very wise preacher once said, they do not love your flesh over there. Yonder they flay it. Baby sucks. Don't forget. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Night. Love Bye, you. Love you too.